Good morning. Happy Monday. A little bit of snow falling, uh, which will tie into my first guest in a little bit, uh, who was quite a skier in her day. Uh, this is Brad Furlan, your host for Vermont Viewpoint here at WDEV in Waterbury, historic Waterbury, Vermont. Hope you had a good weekend. We're coming into uh, Thanksgiving week, and uh, uh, the hope is being grateful for things in life. That there, you know, there's a lot of negative in the world, and there's negative, but we can find a pathway to positive things, and we always. Uh, try to look for that. And I look for that on, on, on this show too, to talk to guests who inspire people and wear a lot of hats and, uh, are role models in life. So, uh, I want to thank listeners for being with us this morning. We can't do radio without you. And my producer through the glass is Greg Titus. He keeps the trains running. He always has a lively shirt on for radio. Uh, so it's, it's great to be here. Uh, the show today, we'll, we'll be starting with Barbara Ann Cochran. She has a new book out called Hike the Course. Uh, really exciting discussion with her coming up. At 10 o'clock, Lila Bennett is promoting an event. The former NBA Celtic player and motivational speaker Chris Heron, uh, he, who uh, got into drugs and uh, really had a uh, a rough go of it and now is trying to help younger people um, stay the course of healthy things. And at 1030, uh, Shannon Jackson will join us from Green Mountain Solar. We'll learn a lot about uh, what they're doing with solar in Vermont and how important that is. But now I want to uh, welcome to the show Barbara Ann Cochran. Welcome. Thank you. It's, it's nice to be here. It's so great to have you here. And how exciting! You have a book, Hike the Course. It, yeah, it, it was. Um, it, it took me a long time to finish this project, but it was something that um, it was. It was an amazing project for me to to do this. Yeah, so I've had uh, publishers on, and they say that the first book we write is we write our whole life. And really, this is your whole life book, right? Yeah, it's actually the second book. Lindy and I, back in um, the late 80s, 1989, I think it was, published a book called Teach Your Child to Ski. Because Lindy had started a program at Cochran's called Ski Tots. And so we wanted to write a book that went along with that. So it's actually my, it's my first book all by myself, but, but Lindy and I actually wrote a book as well a long time ago. So if there's anyone out there who doesn't know, um, Cochran's and Cochran ski area started in 1961 by your parents in Richmond, Vermont. Can you just give us a little background about sure. that? Sure. <laughs> um, in, by 1961, um, well, 19, it goes back, like 1960, we were actually living in South Burlington. Dad, dad was working at General Electric, but we were living on McIntosh Avenue, which is the suburbs of South Burlington. And, and, uh, mom and dad both wanted to get back into the country, but dad always had a dream of putting up a rope toe in the backyard. Hmm. And so, um, like when mom and dad went to UVM and, 
they used to drive on Route 2 to go back to the Windsor area of Vermont. And Dad said that he would look across, when he went through Richmond, he'd look across the the valley there and look at that, that hillside. And he'd just think to himself, that'd make a nice little ski area. Mm. And he never dreamt that in about 10 years' time, he would actually be buying that, that little hillside and uh, and working on his dream of putting up a rope to in the backyard. But he felt like we had started racing. My brother, my two sisters, and I had started racing by 1961. We started racing in the in the 50s. Um, and so Dad always felt that just skiing on the weekends wasn't enough. Like you, you know, like if, if you're a baseball player, you play in the backyard with your, with your dad usually. And, and, uh, and so you get to play all week long. And, and he felt like he was a good athlete himself. He was a baseball player, football player. Um, and he, he just, felt that in order to be the best that you can be, you needed to ski more than just on weekends. He never dreamt building this rope toe. It wasn't to fulfill an idea that, yeah, I'm going to, you know, have my kids train so that they can make the Olympic team and race in the Olympics. That was never, never what he thought about. He just felt like um, he wanted us to learn the lesson that, that, to become the best that you can become, you need to train, train hard, work hard, um, but you need to train more than just two days a week. Yeah. So there's an old story about a, a, a piano maestro who was at Carnegie Hall who was brilliant, and people were saying, oh, you're brilliant, you're brilliant. And he, he, he like rubs his chin and goes, I practiced 12 hours a day for 25 years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what about Cochran's? Were you inherently just, you know, above the fold of ability to ski or is it what you're saying? Is it the hard work? It, it's, it's what I'm saying. It, it's like, no, it, it's, it's the hard work. It was like, um, I always feel like there's something that I call a Cochrane way and, and it kind of comes from a book that my dad wrote where he talks about the Cochrane way and, and it is, um, like the number one thing was that he wanted us to enjoy what we were doing. Mm. And so he wanted skiing to be fun for us. That was really important. And, uh, and we were, and he wanted us to be active. It's like, you know, we were, um, like as, as, I, I just remember dad would go to work. He'd come home from, from work and we, they, they bought, they closed on the property in mid September of 1960. And, um, and basically the hill behind the house was pretty much wooded. I mm-hmm. think it was a young woods. I don't think the trees were huge because it had been a farm, but, um, I just remember dad coming home from work and then we'd have supper and then we'd go out and we'd clear brush, <laughs> wow. you, know? Yeah. you know, and, and sometimes like we, we say, okay, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, work whatever, whatever needed to be done. And then dad would get out there and then it would turn into like a, a baseball game or a soccer game or something else. Like we'd never quite get to the clearing the brush part, but, but my parents, you know, whether like 
whether it was learning how to swim or we played soccer, we learned how to play tennis, we um, did hiking, we did a lot of um, camping when we lived in South Burlington. And, and so being in nature was really important to my parents that, that we grow up with, uh, valuing being in nature and being, being, uh, part of our life. And so I think that was kind of key for them is that, that, they wanted us to have opportunities to do healthy things. Yeah, for sure. And as a family unit, it sounds like you're yeah. really, really very together. Mm-hmm. Now, you talk about the rope toe. My first experience with a rope toe was at Underhill Ski Bowl, and we'd go through gloves like pretty rapidly. Yes. Was, was that the case at Cochrane? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they, we, we, um, I don't know how long we'd had the rope toe, but, um, I, and I don't know where they came from or anything like that, but there's a company that made rope toe guards. So it was like pieces of leather that you could fit over your mittens or your gloves to protect your gloves. Cause you would, you go through so many, <laughs> so many gloves. And it was so exciting when you finally gripped it. Yeah. Headed up the hill, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a trick to riding the rope toe. It's like people that hadn't ridden the rope toe before would end up, end up just getting to it and then just grabbing right onto it. And then it's like they'd, they'd lose their shoulder joints because <laughs> so you have to like squeeze gently until you're going the, the, speed of the the rope itself but, yeah and but, then there's sort of mogul-y too and, yeah, yeah 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 we're talking with barbara ann cochran who has a new uh book out hike the course which you can get now on amazon and um soon hopefully in in all of the local bookstores we're hoping right yeah we are hoping <laughs> yeah it's uh publishing is this this whole world it's hard to tackle sometimes yeah so. it's um yeah i i know like i keep checking on barnes and noble and seeing if it's on there and online I, it, it doesn't come up so yeah so but but my publisher says no you should be able to get it at barnes and noble amazon or the yeah. bookstores any place you should be able to get it any place so hopefully that's coming <laughs> i definitely saw it on amazon so mm-hmm. um that'll so you um the book sometimes books are uh cathartic you know we're we're sort of trying to figure out our own souls <laughs> was it that for you at all or was this more something that you wanted to share a journey of how you know people could do what you did or what it was it was um my original idea when i first started it was to create a book that really explained my the ideas that I have when I work with athletes because I work with athletes. I'm not a sports psychologist. I've never been licensed for that. But um, it, it's really like I, I work with athletes on on my background on on and I developed a program that I call how to gain the competitive competitive edge. And so as I work with athletes, I always feel like when I'm learn something new then I put it through my lens. Well, what was that like for me? Mm. And so I feel like I can really relate to the athletes that I work with. And, uh, and I've had really good response, but it was always one-on-one. So I was going, well, how do I get my message out to more than, you know, a handful of people that I, I 
work with. And, and so I thought, well, I really need to write a book. So about 14 years ago, I started writing this book on the sports psychology piece of it. And then, um, and then I got about maybe three quarters of the way through and then I dropped it. It's like, I just put it aside. I didn't work on it for, for many, many years, but then, um, then last year I took a webinar that was, you know, one of those free webinars that you can sign up for. And, and, um, it was about this angel reader. And so, uh, with that, I could sign up for an individual session, a free individual session. So I did that. And then I was so intrigued. I said, Courtney, I really want to work with you. So I signed up for a year with Courtney. And one of the first things, our first session, she said, what do you hope to accomplish this year? And I said, one of the things I'd like to do is to finish my book. And she said, well, I, I know a publisher. I can have you exchange emails and you can get in touch with this publisher. And so we did. And it was such a great experience. It, it's, um, I, I just, and, and Patty's idea of the book, she wanted me to include some of the history of the family and, and Cochrane Ski area and, and which I hadn't really considered. I was just going to do it on the sports psychology piece. So the beginning piece of it is actually about the, our family and, and what it was like growing up. And so you get stories of when, you know, like I was three and four years old or, and, and actually be, when mom and dad met at UVM and, and even dad being in World War II, there's some stories of him in World War II and, uh, you know, so so you really kind of get a little bit of a sense of who we are. Yeah. And what about role models? Obviously, your parents were instrumental. Were, th- were there others, teachers or others in your life that were big for you? I, I think that, you know, like in skiing, as I was growing up, like I looked up to Billy Kidd from Stowe. I looked up to, um, Gene Saubert, who was from at West. And, and, uh, so those were good role models. I think, you know, and then just that our community was so, um, so supportive of whether it was the principal of the school or teachers that we had. It's like, I feel like those were all role models for, for me as well. That, that, um, you know, I, I, I grew up with a belief that if I wanted to work at something, anything was possible. Yeah. And you have, you talked about the sort of the core Cochrane base, right? But did you, there's four kids. Did you all have friends? Were you just sort of like this amazing, you know, sort of community, whatever? Yeah. Well, when we were, when we were younger, until I was seven, we lived in Cornish, New Hampshire. And there, there were, um, there were four families, the Cochrane's, the, the Hammonds, the House, and the Royces that, um, we, we, our, our, Parents were friends. The mothers were especially close. I think they had all gone to, to school together, high school. And, and, uh, and so we became playmates with that. And I mean, it felt like it was a very normal yeah. <laughs> growing up, but, and then as we, you know, um, 
in South Burlington, we were there for two years, so we had friends from, from school there. And then in Richmond, that was where I feel like I, I was nine when we moved to Richmond and, and, uh, you know, of course we had, had friend, close friends and, and, uh, uh, so we, we all had, had other, uh, our friends from, from school and from the community and, um, but, because we were the four of us were there's three and a half years between the four of us um and I actually consider myself to be an Irish triplet because i i'm um I'm eleven months younger than Marilyn, but I'm eleven months older than Bobby. Bobby and I are actually born in the same year. Mm. I was born in January, he was born in december, and so and then we thought Lindy was so young because she was about a year and a half younger than Bobby. <laughs> but we became playmates. Like we really supported each other. And, and, uh, you know, I, so it, it, I mean, I feel like growing up, it was pretty normal childhood, but I think looking back, it's like, no, most, most kids don't grow up in a family that their dad builds them a rope toe in the backyard. <laughs> right. And, and you're, you're called the first family of skiing. Were your parents good skiers, both of them, or or not? Or... They they never competed in skiing. Yeah. They but they that's actually how they met at UVM. Mom mom wanted to go um, to Stowe to ski, and one of her friends said, "Well, Mickey Cochran has a has a car, and he goes to Stowe a lot. So why didn't you go ask him?" So she did, and sure enough, he gave her a ride. And uh, so they both knew how to ski. I have no idea when they learned how to ski. I don't know how they learned how to ski or anything like that. But they both were skiing when – and I think that that was one of the things that impressed my dad with my mom was that she knew how to ski. And he was maybe the star quarterback at UVM and had a, had a little charisma going for him too, right? Yeah, yeah. He he was a quarterback for the for UVM football team, and he was a baseball pitcher for the for the UVM baseball team as well. So, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He really had a lot of hats. His military career, an engineer. Yeah. All of these things. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually, he, he was, he was a really good athlete himself. It, it's like the story goes, I assume it's true, is that, um, when he, I think it was probably after he graduated from UVM, uh, but as a young man, after coming back from the war, um, the Boston Red Sox wanted to know if he would try out for the team, but he had started a family by then, and I think family was very, very important to him. Nice. So, so he declined. And did you have typical family dinners at a table in the dining room and have we discussions? D- <laughs> we did. We 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 always had dinner at the dining room table and. Um, it was in the, the the kitchen. We did have a dining room table, but but it seemed like our family dinners, for the most part, growing up, were in the kitchen at the kitchen table, and um, until we got really busy with sports on, uh, and and then that kind of fell apart a little bit. Yeah. So. Families will have a basketball hoop out in the yard or they'll, you know, some, some are lucky enough to have a swimming pool or a tennis court or something. You happen to have a skier yeah, yes. in the backyard. 
Do you get to go out on any given morning when you don't have school or whatever, and one of you fires up the rope toe and you just start skiing? Is that what well, happened? Well, when we moved in September of 1960, and it, it basically it was like wooded behind the house. Mm-hmm. It was so we had to clear a lot of trees. I think they were young trees, but um, you know he had to clear the trees to make the slopes for the ski area, and then he put. Um, I don't know what kind of tractor, but I think it was tractor motor and put up poles with, with the pulleys and got the rope. And um, so in February of 1961 was when he fired up the the rope tow for the first time. And one of the stories, and it's in the book, is that um, dad had to go out and splice the two ends of the rope together to make the loop. And uh, so he asked us if we, anybody wanted to go out and help him. And so Marilyn went out. It was like a cold, cold night, dark. And and Marilyn went out and held the flashlight so he could splice the rope together. And she always felt that she should be the first one to go up the rope toe because she did that for him. <laughs> but Bobby was the first one. He beat her to it. <laughs> so So she hasn't forgiven him for that yet. <laughs> It, it must have been so exciting, though, to start going up your own yard and, and ski down and up and down and up. Yeah. And then I don't remember when it was, but, um, you know, during the week in the winter, it gets dark early. So so it was hard to, to train, like, after dinner during the week. So it wasn't too long. I think by the next year, Dad had put lights on the back of the house so that we could ski at night. And and I do remember, you know, I don't know how old I was when that started, but, but we used to, kids from all different clubs would come and train with us on Tuesday and Thursday nights, which was really, really fun. It's amazing. Um, build it, they will come, right? Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. You have the ski field of dreams. Yes. <laughs> Uh, we're talking this morning with Barbara Ann Cochran, who has a new book out called Hike the Course, uh, this amazing inspirational book, a lot about the family, uh, Olympics, and uh, inspiring athletes of all ages. I'm going to go to the phone lines now. We have uh, Scott from Williston. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Um. Yeah, my name, uh, I'm Scott. I'm living, uh, as, uh, am I, am I talking to Barbara? I'm sorry. Yes. yes yeah, I'm here. Oh, oh, hey, uh, Barbara, I, uh, I grew up in Richmond and, um, I remember in 72 going to the round church. Yeah. And seeing you there. I was there. Yeah, <laughs> you were there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> were you a skier, Scott, or? Yeah, I see, I've seen all my life. Um, and we, uh, my sister and I used to go to Cochran's and we would, um, uh, put duct tape on our gloves. <laughs> so <laughs> it's crude, but it worked. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We used a lot and, of duct tape. For, yep. For those gloves on the rope toe. Yeah. And, uh, your, your brother, uh, he gave me a bunch of ski lessons at Cochran's. So that was, that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that any one of us, like if somebody asked, we would love to give 
point pointers to different people. Yep, it helped it helped, it helped my um, skiing ability. I never raced, but um, it, it was it was it was awesome going there. Yes, that's all. I'll, I'll take up the time. All right, thanks for calling, Scott. We appreciate the call, and I'm going to go right back to the phone lines. Uh, Mike from Morrisville, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I just wanted to call and thank Barbara for the pair of skis that she gave me when I was like 12 years old um, <laughs> at the stove prep. Remember the old stove prep school? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. My dad was uh, head of the maintenance there, Leo, and uh, you gave me my first pair of skis. They had your name on them, and they were Rosinals. Wow. I, I was a Rosie girl for sure. Yeah. Yep. I don't exactly remember remember that, but I'm glad that I was able to do that. Yeah, that was uh, that got me into skiing, and and uh, that was a, a lot of fun. So, just wanted to thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for the call, Mike. We appreciate you calling in. So he uh, Mike just brought up skis, but back in the day, for me, boots were torture. Did were boots torture for you? Yeah. The, it it was um uh yeah boots especially like at the beginning of the season it just seemed like you go through at least a few days anyway where the your feet just have to adjust to being in the boots um and and I go back far enough that at first the boots that we had when I was young was uh, were the lace up boots, and I remember when the buckle boots came out. It's like I was going, "Oh, I don't know if I trust buckles. Can you get buckles as tight as you can get the laces?" Right. <laughs> and my fingers would just be raw from trying to pull the laces tight. But um, yeah, and then then uh, I think Langs the the Langs were the first buckle boots that I had. Yeah, and. Uh, and yeah, boots have actually come a long ways. It, it's like, it, but you want to get boots that that don't hurt because if you have feet that hurt, it, it's like miserable. Yeah, it was torture. I we call them lang bangs, right? They uh, so so getting back to the here, you've got the slope in the backyard, and um, it's obviously it's fun. You can go up and down the hill, but it became more than that. Yeah, it, it was, um, you know, dad's idea. I mean, he wanted us to, to make sure that, that it was fun for us, but his idea of actually building a rope toe in the backyard was more than just to make a fun activity for us, an opportunity to ski in the, in the winter. Um, we had started racing and he wanted to give us the opportunity to actually be able to train during the week as well as training on the weekends. So, um, so that was his his ultimate goal was to provide a training hill for us. Right. And did training take fun away? Was that did it no. did it cross No. No. It was although when my when Lindy, the youngest one was a freshman in high school, she decided that she didn't really want to be a ski racer that she wanted to be be a basketball player and play, you know, like she, she was probably the most social of all of us. And she wanted to play basketball with her friends um, in high school. So she decided that that she she wasn't going to be a ski racer. And we the rest, Bobby, Marilyn and I were going, 
Wow, you're not going to be a ski racer? How are you going to tell dad? <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to be a Cochrane? <laughs> <laughs> and so, but she did. She told dad and, and he was okay with it. And, and, uh, but what he did was that she still would go out and ski with us on Tuesday and Thursdays when, when everybody would come over and train with us. And, uh, and so one night he went out early and set a course where she would ski because she'd ski off to the side of the, the hill and, and we would, have our course set in a different part of the hill. And so he set, set a course where he knew that she would be skiing and, and she'd run into it. So he said he watched her, um, and that she, she went and came down, down the hill, saw the course and stopped and looked at it. And then she ran it. And after that, she became a ski racer. She was again. hooked. Yeah. <laughs> Smart dad, huh? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, when you say set a course, was he um, placing slalom poles up up the hill? And- yeah, and at first, like um, you know, like I think the the money to build the rope toe was actually money that he was earning at General Electric as a mechanical engineer and his job there, and uh, so we didn't have a lot of extra money. Uh, so what he did was he cut saplings for the poles at first. And and our first poles that he would set for our courses were saplings. Wow. Yeah. And so you're in the beginning, you're doing slalom, you're coming down, you're going around the poles, and then you're getting a little faster and a little closer to the poles. Is that right? And then are you is somebody finally getting a stopwatch out? And yeah, our, our training sessions. I remember it seemed like Dad would would time us, uh, like every every. Every training session we had, he would time us. And, um, but even one of the things that he noticed when he was timing us is that usually about for, for all of us, not just, not just our family, but for all the kids that were skiing there, it was about the third or fourth run on the same course that he noticed that everybody would be faster. And so he started to think about that and wonder what was going on. Why, why, Weren't they fast on the first run? And then it dawned on him, well, they know the course, you know, so they know, know how to have a line that will be a faster line and, and just what to do coming down. And, and so, um, so then from that point on, he taught us to visualize the course before the race because you can't in slalom and giant slalom, you can't run the, the course before you have the the race and so he said well how do you how are you going to learn it he said you have to memorize it so um hike the course like he he would have us start at the bottom and and look at the gates at the bottom um memorize those gates and then move up a few more gates and then memorize those gates and keep visualizing all the way down wow yeah and was your course um the same in sort of poles and distance as a course that you would then race on in in yeah it was much much shorter cuz the hill was pretty short right so i think we probably had i i don't know but i'm guessing like 10 to 14 gates or so yeah um whereas uh the uh course that we'd be racing on would be closer to like 40 45 gates probably okay so four times the yeah, yeah. so yeah. A, a different experience, but obviously, and, and where was sort of the first big competition for you? Well, um, when I was young, like probably, 
I don't know, 11, 10, 11. Um, we, I think dad was instrumental. He was one of the parents that started the Northern Vermont Council so that we would race against, uh, skiers from Stowe, from Jay Peak, from, I'm not sure, I don't think Sugarbush was part of that. Um, but smugglers and, and Bolton might not have had a team, might not have even have been built at that time, but it was, um, so, so we, we were part of the Northern Vermont Council. Oh, I know Lindenville. We used to go to Lindenville and race there. Yeah. And, uh, but that was when we were like, I think 10 to 14 years old. Those were the years that we were part of Northern Vermont Council. But that was when we started, we felt like we were in the big leagues because yeah. we were traveling to other ski areas to, to race. We're talking with Barbara Ann Cochran, who has a new book out uh, called Hike the Course. Very exciting new book that took a couple years, and lo and behold, it's here. Hike the Course, it's called. I'm going to go uh, quickly to the phone lines. We have Wade from Northeast Slopes in Corinth. Welcome to the show, Wade. Hey, good morning, and good morning, Barbara. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Wade. Good, good. And and we all work so hard with the daily operations, we've never crossed paths. And I'm really glad to be able to talk to you on the radio and want to congratulate you and your family on all you've done over the years and your 72, you know, gold medal and, and all your accomplishments, your family and the examples you've set. And how is Ryan doing this year? I haven't had a chance to catch up with his progress. Um, good, good. He's, uh, he, he was in Europe for the first downhill, World Cup downhill, but right. they got one training day in and then everything else was canceled. So four days of, thought, two days of races yeah, and two days of training was canceled. But now he's in right, copper yeah. and, um, he's excited for the season. So we'll see how it good, goes. Good. Look yeah. forward to following him. And of course, we, we follow, um, you know, the Women's World Cup and we're coming up to Killington here this weekend. And I'm hoping to go down there. Maybe I'll see you down there. Yeah. But again, yep. thank you for that. And, and we're kind of two birds of a feather. You know, we still have rope toes and we're trying to keep this affordable for everybody. You know, I don't think everything that's going on in the ski industry today is conducive to, to small families, locals and Vermonters. Um, so thank you again for for your your family and your ski area and all the other little ones that that keep it together and maybe we'll get um I was thinking maybe we could all get together and do a um as opposed to the uh, icon or uh yeah pack. We, have we our do own a Kinko, a Kinko pass yeah everybody gets the I agree I think and that a, would be great and a, and a ten star punch card and we all go to each other's ski areas. Um, and ski for less than ten bucks a day, just to, just to get everybody to visit everybody else's place. Once I know that so, would be awesome. So so wait, that's this. on my bucket list is to ski at Northeast Slopes. I know there have yeah. been Cochrane families that have gone down and skied there, and every yeah, time, it's, it's, like, it's, not that I drive by that much, but every time, even as a kid driving by, we always knew about Northeast Slopes. Yeah, yeah. So and, and of course they're. We're getting into our 15th year with our T-bar, so it's a little more user-friendly, and we still have the beginner rope tow, which is a blast, and, and we fire up the old big rope tow once in a while. We have a couple nights of night skiing that we throw out there and try to keep everything special. And of course, we're all volunteers and nonprofit, and, and uh, we're just trying to keep it real for everybody and, and you know, just keep it available and, and uh, accessible and affordable for the, the, the real people that count in this. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh, for the people that, that still have the soul of skiing in their hearts. 
Yeah, I think so. And we, we're unfortunately seeing less and less of that on the corporate level. Yeah. <laughs> these days. yeah. We'll try to keep up with that. And, and thinking of those old saplings that were swollen poles, we did that too when I was in high school. And the only problem with those are, as opposed to the, the hinge gates now, you know, you, you knock down, you slap down those hinge gates to, to pick up your time. But the problem with the saplings and even the bamboo, they slap back. Yeah. Oh, I used to get so bruised up from hitting those oh, gates. Geez. Yeah, yeah. Well, great to talk to you, and, and we we definitely got to get together and, and have a little uh, little ski toe exchange and, and uh, get it on each other's snow and, and and compare some notes and and that would be improve, wonderful. Improve yeah. the industry for all of us for sure. Sounds yeah. great, Wade. Thank you so much for the call, and uh, it's nice that we've got you know all these little areas in Vermont where families, like you say, can can ski. I want to get back, uh, Barbara Ann. You. You're this little Richmond family, mm-hmm. and uh, you do have a, a ski slope in your yard, and you start going to Stowe, which, of course, seems like the premier uh, racing, you know, and all that stuff. When did people start noticing Cochrane showing up and go, uh-oh, <laughs> they're going to win all the races, or, or, or I, how did it work? <laughs> well, I, I don't – I mean, we did well when we were – in the Northern Vermont Council, it's like Marilyn probably was the one that that she counted on her winning all the time. Like we used to have uh, – so with Northern Vermont Council, then there's Mid-Vermont Council and Southern Vermont Council. And, and we used to have the All-Stars race at Middlebury. And one year she said that she hurt her knee, but she figured that, that she could still win All-Stars. And uh, she was shocked when I beat her. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> so yeah, I don't. I mean, it, I never really like. Well, you were telling me um, when we were off the air about someone that that we were doing so well that that he lost interest because he felt like he couldn't keep up with us. Yeah. And I never really knew that. I, I you know, I, I feel like we we did well from. Pretty much the get go, I think. It's like, yeah, I yeah. don't know. So, um, your sister called in while we were off the air and she made a little correction. Uh, can, can you help us with that? <laughs> yeah. Well, she, with this story, she said that, that even though Bob beat her up the rope toe for the first run in the rope toe, that, uh, she, she went on to, to beat him in ski racing for the next six or seven years. <laughs> So we've, uh, I don't know if, uh, he is listening, but <laughs> at least she'll get credit for that. Um, so you're, you're a small town Richmond girl and, uh, you get to go to Japan and compete in the Olympics. Right. How about that? What? what yeah. There? You know, I think it's, it's like by, I had keep competed. Bobby Marilyn and I had competed at the World Championships in 1970. In 1972, with Lindy was also considered to be one of the prospects to make the Olympic team. By 1972, it never dawned on me that I wouldn't be named to the Olympic team. I, I I knew that I was one of the top Americans. That of course I'd be on the Olympic team. I had counted on on being able to to go. Um, not like I, I I don't think I did it in a in a way that was like bragging or anything like that. I just it was just a fact that yeah, yeah. you know like I was one of the best, so so I would be on the Olympic team. Um, and 
but it was baby steps. It it was like, you know, racing at 10 years old in Northern Vermont Council and learning how to do well at that level and then moving up to um, more the the fist racing where the the competition was broader that there it wasn't just northern vermont that we were racing against but it was um you know vermonters and new Hampshire kids from kids our age group from all over and we went to bobby maryland and i made the junior national team to go to um colorado um in 1966 i think it was and uh and and i won the giant slalom maryland won the slalom i don't i don't remember how Bobby did, but, um, and then another girl from Stowe, Erica Skinger won the downhill. And, but I think we were, we were brought up with the idea that, you know, of course you're capable of doing that. I don't know if you'll do it or not, but you're, you, you, you're capable of, of winning. And I think that was just the, the feeling Although I've got to tell the first time I ever raced in a fist race, I was a freshman in high school and our first race was at Glen Ellen and, um, and Bobby, Marilyn and I went, dad took us to the race and, and, and I ended up winning the giant slalom. And when we came home, we were coming up the steps onto the porch and mom greeted us at the door and dad had, had my trophy in his hand and he, and he said, uh, to mom, guess who won? And she said, Marilyn. And dad said, no. And then she said, Bobby. Oh, no. And then, <laughs> and then she, so he said, nope. And then mom's response was, well, who won? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> me, yeah, me, me, me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. you did win. We've got about a minute. So, uh, it's Barbara Ann Cochran's new book, Hike the Course. You can get it on Amazon now. You just go to Amazon, uh, put in Hike the Course, Barbara Ann Cochran. You can buy a copy. You can get it for Kindle. You can get a hardcover or paperback, or is that... Yeah, you yeah. can get hardcover yeah. or paperback or Kindle. And then uh, we'll uh, get you back here for a book signing and yes. uh, and, you know... Hundreds of thousands of books are going to be sold because you're such an inspiration. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank it, you, Brad. It's so great to have you on the show. Uh, it's Barbara Ann Cochran, Hike the Course. This is Brad Furlan, Vermont Viewpoint, WDEV in historic Waterbury, Vermont. We'll be back after this.